Try and remember who you are and whose you are. Uh, I got pregnant in Moose Jaw. Uh, well, there wasn't much to do. <laughs> Every night before we went to sleep, we used to say to one another, good night, sleep tight, love you, God bless. And that we said that for over 50 years. Welcome to Elder Wisdom, stories from the green bench. Now this podcast explores basically everything from friendship, tragedy, to love, life, learning, and so much more, all told by and for older adults. I get the pleasure of being your host for these podcasts, and I couldn't be more excited. My name is Erin Davis, and I did radio in Toronto for far too many years, stepped away from that about five years ago, and now, in addition to being an author and a blogger, uh, Zoom event host, basically anything, Meals on Wheels volunteer, what I'm doing now is getting a chance to talk to people that you really, really should meet because we're talking about elder wisdom here. Uh, I'm 58 years old, and I don't know if that's a senior or not, but I'll tell you, I'm not gonna argue with the 20-something at the drugstore when he wants to give me a discount. So if 58 is a senior, I'm signed up, and I'm so excited to be here today. So the green bench, it's kind of like a speaker's corner sort of idea where when you see someone sitting on a green bench at Schlegel Villages, you know they'd like to talk, to visit, to listen and just be with someone. In this case today, with you. That's what we're doing here. And along with my co-host, we're gonna make way for a gentleman who is a resident at Schlegel Villages Retirement and Long-Term Care Homes in Ontario. Now, I've had a lot of co-hosts in my career. I'm kind of like Elizabeth Taylor with husbands, although mine all ended pretty well. But I have a new co-host today, and I'd like to introduce you to him, and for him to introduce himself to you. His name is Lloyd Hetherington, and he's joining me on the green bench today. Hello, Lloyd, how are you? I'm great, Erin. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. As you can tell, I'm a little excited. It could uh, be the three coffees and the one in my traveler right now as we sit on this virtual bench together on a beautiful day. So why don't we introduce you to everyone, Lloyd? I know it's hard to sum up in just a few moments, but if you would, tell us about who you are. I'm just delighted to be part of this experience. Ever since I heard about the concept of the podcast, I currently wait for the opportunity what a fantastic resource we have in the Schlegel Villages with so many people with so many stories to share. My story blends with many of the others here. I'm 85 years of age, have traveled a great deal, participated in a lot of adventures in my lifetime, primarily in the field of education, but education around the world education at the primary school level, the secondary school level, at the college level, adult education, church education. And isn't it great, Lloyd, that we can continue to learn at every age? I feel just so strongly that we have something to share. and It's our obligation to share our experience with others. And I hope that these podcasts will do just that as we tap the resources that are at hand 
to share exciting insights and concepts that can help to make this world just a bit better. Oh, I love that. I love that. That is a great mission statement going forward, Lloyd. Thank you for that. Tell me about your family. How many children, how many grandchildren, Lloyd? I have three children and three grandchildren. My oldest child, a son, lives in Lakeview, Michigan. Employment is zilch, but he mm. has managed to create his own work. My older daughter is into IT. My, my youngest daughter is in education in Toronto. Oh, my goodness. And what a year she's had. I mean, you've got three grandsons, 20, but 12 and 10, the younger two, and then your daughter in education. I guess they've seen quite a school year, hmm? COVID has done a remarkable thing for us. It's forced us to look at education, and hopefully we keep straight in our minds the difference between the acquisition of knowledge and what education really is, the development of wisdom. Well, well what you say, Lloyd, uh, resonates with me because there was a quote I came across last week that knowledge is power, but the true power comes in sharing your wisdom. And that's what we're here to do today. So thank you for that. And we have a guest today that I'd like to introduce you to. And we're meeting him uh, virtually here for the first time on the Green Bench. And he's a lovely gentleman who moved to Canada 51 years ago. And bless him, he's still got that gorgeous accent. Doug Robinson is joining us today. Hello, Doug. How are you? I'm fine, Erin. It's very nice to be speaking to you. You uh, you had a career in the hospitality business, didn't you? Yes, yeah. I started at the age of 15 at the uh, Cumberland Hotel in Marble Arch. Okay. I left school at 15 and I went to work at the Cumberland Hotel. And uh, I was there for five or six years. And then I went to work in a famous... Uh, fish restaurant uh, called Wheeler's in St. James's, just off of Piccadilly Circus. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to a even more famous bar called Jules Bar in German Street, right behind Fortnum and Mason's. Oh, wow. And I used to get a lot of um, film stars come in there. I have one particular story to tell you. Patrick McGowan, of course, who was the uh, king in uh, Braveheart, mm -hmm. he used to drop in late at night because it was a bar that used to finish around about seven, so he could come in and relax and uh, have a quiet drink. And we used to sit there and have a great old chat for an hour every now and again. He was a wonderful man, but my biggest memory in the industry was having the pleasure to serve the Queen Mother Ooh. in 1985 at the Four Seasons Hotel. She'd come over for a visit and she had lunch and because all the dignitaries were there and the head table. And uh, I pulled the chair out for her to sit down and I happened to say something about the garden and she heard me, and she turned round and she said, Are you a gardener? I said, Oh, yes, Your Majesty. I have a beautiful garden at home. I said, And in two weeks' time, I'm going to go home and see the beautiful gardens of England again. Mm. 
so anyway, that was that. And after lunch was over, like you don't push yourself forward with royalty, I stood back. Yes. And she see me standing there, and she came over, and she said to me, thank you for a very nice lunch. It was very enjoyable. But tell me this, while you're in England, who's going to look after the shop? <laughs> How lovely. That's an old English expression. Exactly. Who's going to look after the shop while you're in England? Oh, my goodness. She was such a wonderful lady. Oh. She really was. Now, Doug, I have yeah. to say that, you know, in, uh, in 21st century parlance, when somebody tells all the stories, we call it spill the tea. And I'm not going to ask you to spill the tea about the Queen Mom, but did she have a martini? No, she had a Duboni, actually. Oh, lovely. Lovely, nice aperitif. Lovely. Yes, and I served it to her. <laughs> that is wonderful. Just yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Well, we've spoken about one queen yeah. mum, but you know that there is royalty in your own household yeah. because you and a very special lady marked 60 years yeah. married in September. Yes. My wife moved next door to me when she was six years old. Wow. And if if you'd have said that was the girl I was going to marry... I'd have said you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> because when I went into the army, I, uh, in those days there was conscription still in England and you had to do two years service. Mm -hmm. So I was 18 and she was only 13. Mm. And when I came out of the army at 21, she was 16. And boy, what a beautiful woman turned out <laughs> from that 13-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started courting. And we courted for four years, and she was 20 when she got married, and I was 25. And um, we have two, as I said, two wonderful children, four wonderful grandchildren. But unfortunately now, my wife has Alzheimer's uh -oh. for the last six years, mm. and she's in a nursing home. Uh, not this one, unfortunately. And um, she doesn't remember me at all. Oh. I, uh, I, Before I came into the, here, I used to go and visit her every uh, Saturday with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know us at the end, and it was very sad. But I, I just wanted to... I love her dearly. I can hear that. I can hear that, my dear. Yeah. Oh, Doug, and, and you and Lloyd share, in a way... I don't know. There is no comparing grief, which is something that I've learned in our life story. And yet Lloyd is without his wife physically with him as well. Lloyd, you've been widowed for how many years now? Just, just over two years, Aaron. Mm -hmm. The loss was fairly sudden. Uh, we went out to shop one afternoon, came home, had supper, watched TV for a while. My wife got up to go to the washroom and collapsed with a massive stroke. Mm. Gone within a couple of weeks. So, Doug, I don't know which is worse, the sudden loss or the loss that you're experiencing now. Yeah, It's a loss no matter which way we look at it. Which way you go, Lloyd, it's, it's, it's a loss. When you love somebody as dearly as we love our wives, it, it's a loss. Yeah. Doug, our paths are so, so similar. We're the same age. Uh, I was married 61 years. You've been married 60 years. And uh, I met my wife 
not not as this five year six year old but as a sixteen year old and it just was one beautiful long lasting relationship and uh, the the bright the bright spots were there the happy occasions and then the loss has been a very challenging one indeed especially when it's sudden like that and you know i've been having this same conversation with my girlfriend whose mother just passed away well, yesterday in hospice. And my mom, her passing sounds so much like your wife's, Lloyd, because mom and dad were watching TV, having dinner. She said, you know, I, I feel hot. And she was gone with a brain aneurysm. And, and basically, they kept her on life support till we could get to California to say our goodbyes. So there are Lisa and I talking with each other as she was at her mother's side in hospice for weeks and weeks, and my mother going so quickly. And, you know, there is, again, no comparing grief, but all we've got is the chance, I guess, to be grateful for whatever has come our way. Grief is so individualistic, Erin. Each one of us grieve in our own unique way, and each of us admit there is loss, and how we deal with the loss is depends so much on circumstances, depends on who we are, and depends upon uh, sifting through what so many people say when they say, I know what you're going through, or I understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. Unless they have been there, they do not know, they do not understand, so... The well-meaning people, we accept their thoughtfulness and their care, but we have yes. to recognize that what they're saying carries very little weight at that particular time. How much does faith play in the way that you accept or deal with the process of grief, Lloyd? Faith to me is very, very significant. I come from a faith tradition that believes that uh, she has an eternal reward, that she will be at peace. And so for that, I am very, very comforted. But even though I rejoice that she is beyond suffering now and beyond pain, I have to admit that there's still a vacancy and a loss, even now after the two years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that first year, as we've heard it described so often, is a year of shock. And then the second year is it settles in and you realize, okay, this is how it's going to be moving forward. And yet, Doug, you find yourself in a whole different kind of path and one that so many of us just can't imagine. What keeps you going? Do you have faith? Is it your family? Is it your community there in the villages? What gets you up in the morning, Doug? It's, it's the girls here that look after me. You could not wish for any better than what I have here. And I didn't go around for lunch today, and I'm sitting there reading my book. Next minute, Indra comes in. I know you like Caesar salad. I bought you a Caesar salad. <laughs> and that's what they do for me here. Yeah. And then I'd finish the Caesar salad. Next minute, there's a Chapman's ice cream wafer. There. Well, you have and, to have that. You know, I don't even have to ask for anything. <laughs> They look after me, we laugh, we joke, and that really keeps me going. 
I love, I love, gentlemen, this uh, this quote that I came across from Henny Youngman, who I think was the gentleman who brought us Take My Wife, Please, which also <laughs> reminds me of a post that I saw on Facebook today. You're going to love this. A woman had posted very close to us a wedding dress for sale. It says, worn once by mistake. And I, <laughs> I thought this woman should sell that dress based on that. But Henny, Henny Youngman, to get back to him, he said that the secret of a happy marriage remains a secret. Now, surely you've got some insight into what makes a happy marriage. So I'll start with you, Lloyd. Is it a secret? Or if you had a couple of nuggets of wisdom, what would they be about a happy marriage? Oh, that, that's so difficult because the secret is still a secret as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I had a wonderful wife, and for 60 years we had what I consider a fantastic marriage. If I stop to think of it now, I would think that probably we came from a common background, same church, same economic strata, same educational background, so that we had so much in common to start with that there's no debate about uh, where we'd live, what we would do, what we would experience. We had a common foundation, and I think that made for a good, solid start to it. We were young at the time, so we didn't know any other life except our married life together, really, so that uh, mm -hmm. we didn't come with the false expectations. I, was, I wasn't cramping my wife's career. She wasn't cramping my career. We were discovering it together. And we had a comfort level. We had a security, total trust one in the other. And I still remember my wife saying that uh, we're going to, into different situations but I never worry as long as I'm with you. So there was that utter, utter confidence and belief. And I had the same faith in her that uh, I never worried about what she was thinking or what she was doing. That's very true, Lloyd. I, I, I appreciate uh, having you as the first guest because our, in many ways our tracks are parallel, aren't they? So the secret is find that which is in common, trust implicitly, and don't uh, become selfish in my goals, my ambitions, my desires. The word my disappears and it became ours right from the start. Right from the day we were married, a joint bank account, uh, joint books. Uh, we talked over everything, including any expenditures. So I wouldn't go out and buy some toy that I would want. I'd talk about it and after a year or two I would... Either wear her down, we'd get it, or after a year or two, I'd find that, that toy was obsolete and we're ready to work on the next one. And so we, we talked about everything. There's a lot of wisdom there and the trust, the friendship. Doug, what would you say if you were to tell us the secret? Well, my wife had a mind of her own and I let her have it. I'd never said no to whatever she said or wanted to do, except in the garden. Mm. We couldn't agree where to put a rose bush or what color went there. <laughs> so to solve that problem, we had his and her garden. She had her garden, I had my garden. And 
being English, we had a very, very English garden. Lots of roses, lots of flock and all kinds of different plants. So when we started out, I would put a rose in and she said, oh, no, that doesn't go there. It's got to go over there. <laughs> and I'd say, no, and we'd get into an argument over it. So that's the way that came. You have that side, you put what you want in, I have this side, and don't you dare come down. <laughs> and <laughs> so that was that. But to make it a happy marriage, every night before we went to sleep, we used to say to one another, good night, sleep tight, love you, God bless. And that we said that for over 50 years, every night. Oh. And uh, only because she was very, very special. And Doug, so are you. I was stunned to read in an Angus Reid poll last year that the older we get as Canadians, the less likely we are to want to actually live with our families. Something like only 4% of Canadians aged 70 plus would rather move in with family. Was that surprising to you? And I'll start with you, Lloyd. No, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. I've got two daughters, both with lovely homes. Both would welcome me in spite of all the inconveniences, but I, I am not prepared to move into either one. And the reasons are manifold. Uh, if I moved into their homes, I'd be under their rules, and I'm just not prepared for that yet. Uh, they, they, they would set the pace, they would decide when the door is locked and what I could do, and I'll, le I'll leave that for my manager here to decide that. <laughs> Good, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> When my wife went into the nursing home, I moved in with my uh, daughter. As I said, she's wonderful. She looks after me and uh, I was able to uh, cook her dinner for her before she came home from work every night. Her dinner was always there. And then slowly, slowly, old age crept in and I wasn't able to uh, cook her dinner anymore. So she had to come home from work and start looking after me. and. I felt that I was a burden to her, not that she said so or in any way, and that's when I decided to uh, come into a nursing home myself, and it was the best uh, decision that I made. Doug is on the right track. When we decide to move in, the transition is a very pleasant, a very helpful one. It's when the family decides it's time you've got to move in, and it makes the makes the experience just a bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're, you're on the right track there, Doug. Yeah. Uh, mobility issues, too, often make things so difficult if you're living with your family. I know if my dad moved in with one of my siblings or myself, there would be no stairs. We'd have to get one of those chairs that, that we see advertised on TV all the time. And the worry, too. So if you're ever thinking that you're a burden to your children, and Doug, I'm sure that you were not. No. It's just the worry. It's the constant worry, like, oh, is dad going to fall in the bath or something like that. It's just... Yeah, with me, my daughter put in one of those stair lifts because I couldn't climb stairs anymore. Right. And then uh, I was having trouble getting dressed and, uh, you know, people were coming in to dress me. I couldn't shower, stand up in the shower. 
but they were trying to turn my daughter's home into a nursing home. Right. And that wasn't fair to my daughter. Mm -hmm. That was her home, not a nursing home. So that's when I really decided I had to get out. Uh, Doug, you were so thoughtful because uh, our children have a life to live as well. And uh, they would do it. I know my children would do anything for me. Yeah. But I yeah. refuse to impose upon them. I just don't want to be a burden to them. Just like yourself, Doug, uh, we want to respect their home, their freedom, their opportunities. And the Schlegel village just, they're marvelous in the way they arrange for us and get us set up. And uh, I sit in my little empire here with my TV and my computer <laughs> and my internet yeah. and uh, I'm in a very comfortable chair and I rain from this chair, and it's just incredible. Yeah. I've got I've got the lever that I can pull up, and up go the legs, and I relax. Right that's wonderful. Of course, because I do doze off now and again. <laughs> well, that's what those comfortable chairs are for, Doug. We all do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And and Lloyd, I love to picture you, a man of learning and of teaching and letters and all of these experiences in your life. And there you are with the internet and the world's libraries. Everything is at your fingertips. And for all the ills of the internet, there you are with every book, every tome, every story right there for you. It's wonderful. Right. Wonderful. It is incredible. You know, and, and it is the internet that has brought us here together today. And uh, I could keep talking forever, but uh, Doug, I'm sure there's somebody who wants to deliver you some ice cream or a Caesar salad or just to make sure you're eating, which they do with my dad, too, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I have I, I so much more we can explore here, and I'm, I can't wait for our next get-together here on the Green Bench. Now, next time I want a story about Sean Connery, okay? Yep. Erin, I'm just going to go straight back to the telephone now, phone my daughter and tell what a wonderful surprise I had today being able to speak to you. She's a 98.1 uh, listener. Wonderful. Thank you and thank her so much for me. Oh, You're welcome. Wow. This has been so much fun. And uh, Lloyd, we'll talk with you again soon, my friend, okay? Looking forward to it, Erin. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, me too. And I want to thank our listeners for spending this time with us. And I hope that you will join Lloyd and me again. And please subscribe for additional episodes. There's going to be lots more. And I'm telling you, we'll have a tough time hitting the highs that we did today, but also going down the road of grief and of, well, of life. So you'll be notified as soon as our additional episodes become available. And remember, you can share your thoughts and opinions with us on social media by using the hashtag Elder Wisdom. To help others find us, just take a moment to rate and review the Elder Wisdom podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Erin Davis. Until next time, your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom. Stories from the Green Bench is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.